What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, October 3rd. Political commentator Dave Rubin joins me on the podcast today. Dave is Team DeSantis, whereas I am Team Trump, so we're going to have that debate and so much more. Plus, Donald Trump's bogus witch hunt trial is underway in New York City. Congressman Matt Gates is looking to oust Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And Representative Jamal Bowman claims he is too stupid to know the difference between a fire alarm and a doorknob. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live on Rumble, please get down there and share it with everybody in your contact list. Let's get as many people into the broadcast here as possible. I would love for you guys to get down. Comment in the live chat. There's going to be a lot to discuss, especially when I bring on Dave Rubin, who will be joining me here in just a few minutes. Obviously, Dave is the host of The Rubin Report. He's been doing this a very, very long time, and he's got a huge following. Much respect. It's an honor for me to have Dave Rubin on the podcast here. So I'm curious. Obviously, now he is Team DeSantis. I'm Team Trump when it comes to the 2024 primaries uh, in the GOP. So I'm where we are going to have our opinions, and I'm sure we are going to differ on how we feel. I would love to hear your comments in the chat down there. So please get down there and get involved today. Also, Give you a program update Thursday on the podcast. Comedian J.P. Sears is going to be joining me here. Uh, His content is absolutely hilarious. He's got so many viral videos all across the different social media platforms. He's got a great podcast himself, Awake with J.P., Awaken with J.P. So uh, please bring it back here Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for that interview. It's going to be a banger. And get down there. And hit the follow button, follow the channel, which I know right now it's under First Class Fatherhood, under the First Class Fatherhood tab. Just follow me here. I am trying to move people over to the Alec Lace channel that I created. So if you can, follow me on that channel as well. And and let me know who you'd like to hear from on the podcast here. I'm doing my best to give you guys the best guests possible. Last week on the podcast, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Congressman Scott Perry joined me. So if you missed out on that one, please go back through the archives here and check out all the great guests that have stopped by. I've been really blessed to have so many of them. All right, so let's roll into this. Obviously, the thing that was trending maybe the most out of these stories over the last couple of days here since I last talked to you guys is Democrat Congressman Jamal Bowman, who pulled the fire alarm in one of the office buildings at the Capitol Uh, because he wasn't sure how to get out of the door. He thought that pulling the fire alarm was going to open the door. That's what he claims. Uh, That's what he's claiming anyway. This guy made an absolute ass out of himself by using that excuse. So the story is he was in a hurry to vote. Oh, let me let you hear his words for it. Here's why he says he did it. Take a listen. You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. Are you afraid of any repercussions, either from leadership or from legally? I I mean, listen, I take responsibility for what I did, you know. But like I said, I was in a rush to go vote. And, uh, you know, investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. I don't know why everyone's making a big deal out of this. Yeah, I don't know why everyone's making a big deal out of so many of the January 6th people that didn't do nothing but take a selfie in the Capitol, yet they're still in prison. I don't know why everyone made such a big deal out of that either. Those guys didn't pull a fire alarm. This guy, who was a former principal of a school, he, he's telling you, he wants you to believe that he's too stupid to know the difference between a fire alarm and the doorknob. He thinks that it's a, if he pulls the fire alarm, he's going to, it's going to unlock the door. That's what he wants you to believe. So this happened right before the vote was going on for the continuing resolution uh, for the government shutdown. He claims that it was just, you know, that my defense is that I'm stupid. And I'm not buying that. I don't know if you're buying that. And of course, everybody on the left is like, yeah, what are you making such a big deal about? So big deal. He pulled the fire alarm. And caused it. So either this guy is that stupid that he doesn't know the difference, or what was his other reasoning? Was he trying to delay the vote 
was his intention to give the Democrats more time to read the continuing resolution. Did somebody tell him to pull the fire alarm? What happened here? I don't think we're ever going to find out because they're saying, oh, there's going to be an investigation, which means we know it's the home team that's doing the investigation. So you're going to have no real insight into what happened here. Uh, there's a videotape of him pulling the fire alarm. Will that be released? I highly doubt it. Now, you know damn well if it was a Republican that did something like this, the video would have been out immediately. There would have been no delay in us seeing the video. And of course, all the same people that were all bent out of shape calling for Congressman uh, Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, to resign because she was making out in a dark theater on her own time, uh, you know, not on company time, they want her to resign for it. Now, here's a guy that pulls a fire alarm, causing a safety hazard, delaying the uh, congressional process, a threat to democracy. And everyone's like, ah, just a mistake. He just made an honest mistake. Have you ever made the mistake of pulling a fire alarm thinking that would open a door? No, I know you haven't. Now, just to make this even worse, this guy sends out talking points to all of his colleagues so that they know just what to say. I'll put them on the board here. Here's J- Jamal Bowman's messaging guidance uh, to for everyone to support him in, in what he did. This, he needs support for his decision that he made to pull the fire alarm. So in it, and I'll put it up here on the board, I believe Congressman Bowman when he says that this was an accident. Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. So, no. Let's focus on the Nazis. So he's calling his colleagues. He's bursting out here like he always does. This guy's got a history of just bursting out. Uh, He's an emotional basket case. So now he tries to walk that back because he caught a lot of slack online for calling his colleagues Nazis. They didn't take to that very kindly. So he puts out this excuse. Look at this tweet I'll put on the board. Congressman Jamal Bowman. I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was an inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition. It is important to specify the term Nazi to refer to members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. So he's saying, this, I would never do that. I would never do that. Well, just back in March, uh, Representative Bowman, here's his tweet from him himself, not the messaging guidance, his own tweet. Matt Knowles is a Nazi. So does the congressman consider that to be specifically using the word correctly? No. What this guy is is a fraud. He's a liar, and obviously he's an idiot. And this is the guy that's representing you in your district. This is the guy that's representing the American people. He's telling you, oh, I would know. we can't use the word Nazi like that. We only have to use it when discussing the Nazi party. Just a few months ago, he's calling Michael Knowles a Nazi. This is what we're dealing with in the House of Representatives. This is how out of control what's happening in, in, in our politics today has gotten. This, this, this guy is a joke and he should step down. There's guys in, that on January 6th that are still in prison for just walking through the Capitol. And here's a guy making a joke out of it. I don't know why everyone's getting so upset. Here's the guy. Yeah, here, there's his tweet there. Nobody is above, nobody in this country is above the law. No one in this country is above the law, except if you're in a hurry, except if you're in a rush, then it's okay to break the law, which is what this guy did. And he should be held accountable, but we know that's not going to happen. We don't see equal justice under the law in this country at all. And of course, they're downplaying this on the left like it was no big deal. And they know when the mic is off or when they put the Twitter down, they're saying to themselves, what is this guy, an idiot? That's his defense. So I'm not buying it. I know you're not buying it either. Uh, but it's an embarrassment that this guy did it. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman, uh, Republican congresswoman, put out a little tutorial on just exactly how to open the door. You take a look. At the infamous door where Jamal Bowman claims he had to pull a fire alarm to get out. Now, these doors are open on weekdays. Every member of Congress knows that. Everybody that works here knows that. But on Saturdays and Sundays, they are locked and only certain doors are open on Saturdays and Sundays. Now come on over here. This right here is a fire alarm. Nowhere does it say pull the fire alarm to open the exit door. Doesn't say that and I think ex-middle school principals know better. Let me show you how we go when we need to go vote. I know this because my office is in here in Keenan building. Come on, go this way. 
A great tutorial there from Marjorie Taylor Greene. Unfortunately, now every single new member of Congress is going to have to watch this as like an instruction video, like a safety video. They're going to have to watch this now. They're going to have to be, all be re-instructed in Congress on how to open a door properly, how to avoid a fire door. This is... It's a mockery of everything. This guy says he claims, oh, I was on my I was in such a mad dash to go vote. Yet from the time when he pulled the fire alarm, which he didn't wait around for the fire department or any of the officials to show up. He left the scene after pulling the alarm. He claims he was in such a hurry, yet he didn't vote for over an hour. He didn't vote until an hour later after he pulled the alarm. So what was the big hurry then, Congressman? This guy's a fraud, and he is, if he is what he says, so if we take him at his word, he's stupid, right? If we don't take him at his word, he's a liar. So one way or the other, this guy should resign. He should, he should be held accountable for what he did, and what he did was an embarrassment. All right, so that's enough on that. I'm not going to harp on it. Uh, like I said, we're going to get to uh, Dave Rubin, host of the Rubin Report. We're going to talk about all these hot topics that are going on right now. Later in the podcast here, too, I'm going to talk about Matt Gates and what's going on with him and McCarthy, plus uh, Trump's trial and a liberal journalist uh, who was denouncing or making fun of the way that everyone on the right says, oh, Democrat cities are being destroyed, ended up being murdered. So we're going to talk about that as well, too. So let me hit you guys with a quick spot. I'm back on the other side with Dave Rubin. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome back, everybody. All right, I got Dave Rubin in the Zoom room. I'm going to bring him in in just a second here. Please don't forget to follow the channel down there and share this broadcast. If you're watching on Rumble, share it with as many people in your contact list as possible so they can come in and take part maybe in the live chat. Let me know because we're going to get into it right now. Also, don't forget Thursday on the podcast here, I'm going to have comedian J.P. Sears joining me. Uh, He has got some of the most hilarious content available. He's a great content creator, does a lot of comedy skits, sketches. He's got a great podcast of his own. Going to be an honor to have him. And then another program note. Recently, I had Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna on the podcast. And tomorrow on my show, First Class Fatherhood, I'm doing an interview with her husband, Andrew Gambersky, who is a combat veteran, Air Force combat controller, American hero. Going to be a great interview. So if you want to check that one out, jump over to First Class Fatherhood. Link to that is down there in the description below. All right. So let's do this. Let's get Dave Rubin into the call here. Uh, joining me now, Dave Rubin. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Alec, it's good to be with you. Let's get into some trouble. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to see you. The last time we spoke was on First Class Fatherhood, talking about fatherhood. Uh, you just get a, your, your kids then were four months and two months, so I wanted to get a quick update. How old are the kids now? How are they doing? The kids are about 14 months and uh, will be one in about three days if my calendar is correct and everybody's great. We're looking at like 90 to 95th percentile in height and weight, bright, smart, healthy, uh, you know, basically destroying everything known to man that they can get at and opening everything they shouldn't open. And uh, the main thing that I've learned about or that I've learned from being a father is that you can, you know, get a lot of stuff for the kids. Uh, But mostly they like boxes. If you just give them a box, they will get in that box. They will take a ride in that box. They will do something with that box. So if I was a if I was looking to start a new business, it would just be boxes for children pretty much. Yeah, simple and elegant, like my wife's engagement ring, you know, I have pots and pans, that that all works. But listen, Dave, the reason why after five years of doing First Class Fatherhood that I jumped into doing this now and getting into this political uh, conversation is because 
parental rights are under attack in this country. We see the education secretary saying that teachers know better for their kids than you do to parent. We've seen President Joe Biden say there's no such thing as somebody else's kid. These are all our kids. And that Marxist rhetoric really is driving me bananas. So I had to jump into this thing. And I just think the whole the, the, the trans cult that's forcing their will on your kids, the CRT, everything seems to I think right now the most important demographic in this country that's going to change the way we go is the parents in this country going forward. What do you what's your take? Oh, you know, I agree. And I think there's a lot of evidence for that. You don't just have to take our word for it. I mean, the main data point on that would be look at the last gubernatorial election in Virginia. Uh, Glenn Youngkin was not going to win. No one thought he was going to win. And he was down by an awful lot just two weeks before. Then they start really shifting, talking about parental rights, exposing it, uh, what had been going on in a couple of the schools, the Luton County School District specifically, related to gender and woke stuff and bathrooms and all of this stuff. And the parents woke up. And then, yeah, you've already referenced some of the other things, the way the administration is talking about Parents who just want to know what their kids are teaching, who's teaching it to them, have a little transparency in education. The way the administration and the media has gone after DeSantis in Florida with the quote unquote don't say gay bill that had nothing to do uh, with being gay. It had nothing to do with sexuality. It was about what kids should learn at what age and whether parents should know about that stuff. You know, when you and I were uh, growing up, if they took us to the, if you were in fifth grade and they took you to the petting zoo, you had to have a signed waiver. And yet somehow over the course of 30 years, we've said, no, it's okay, actually, if a teacher calls your son Justin, Justine, and refers to him as a girl and keeps that private for four months. I mean, the whole thing is has jumped, you know, we're, we're over the top, we're beyond the pale, we've jumped the shark, whatever you want to call it. And yes, I think parents resetting and saying, no, no, these are my children. It does not take a village. It's nice to have a village. If you have a village and you have your grandparents and the cousins and the friends and family, uh, but these are not the state's children. Uh, and then of course, we've got places like California where they're literally trying to pass legislation to take kids away from families if you don't, what they call affirm, although it's actually the most unaffirming thing you can do, uh, you affirm their gender, meaning if they wanna change their gender, which obviously you can't actually do. Uh, so there's there's so much going on here, and it's great to see parents getting involved because when it hits that close to home, I mean, if you don't, if you don't, if that if that's not enough to wake you up, man, you are lost. And then the and not just lost. that, Dave. It is, and not just that. It's the uh, like like we see President Biden promoting this Bidenomics all the time on social media. And I put it as Bidenomics in his tweets looks different than the Bidenomics on the streets. The way we're seeing it, I, I've got six mouths to feed. Uh, we are not seeing any result of this Bidenomics miracle that he's claiming has taken place here. You know it. All parents in this country know it. So not only are we getting it from the schools and from uh, and from every other aspect, we're getting it right there in our grocery bills and in our in our gas prices. And it just boggles my mind that you know people can continue to vote for the same policies to continue. It's crushing the American family. It's crushing dads. How many different jobs? I'm working two jobs. My wife works. Every family is facing the same thing right now. It doesn't have to be this way. No, it doesn't have to be this way. And that's a phrase that I use on my show all the time. People think it just has to be this way. Oh, it's just going to always get worse. But no, it does not have to. You know, it's funny that Bidenomics and all these ridiculous spending packages they come up with. What is the result of all of them? All of them always lead to the same thing. They spend more money that they don't have, thus causing inflation to go higher. Then the value of the dollar is less and you end up paying more for the basic stuff like eggs at the grocery store. It's interesting for me because, you know, I'm here in, in the free state of Florida, as you know, where we have a we really have a booming economy to any extent that an economy can be booming in America. We're doing a, tre a tremendous amount in infrastructure. I mean, there's just a lot of building here. Everyone's still coming here. But there are some things that are out of the purview of what Florida could control. So we can't control all of the supply chain issues and the complete, you know, if Biden and the administration keep giving money to Ukraine, keep, you know, create, you know, printing money and all these things, there's a limit to what a state can do to defend itself from that. So even here in Florida, where you go to stores, you go to shopping centers, all there's people everywhere all the time. Uh, and I'm not talking, I just, I happen to be in the Miami area, which is obviously hot, but all over Florida, you see this, you see building everywhere. 
But building is more expensive now. Uh, so that's one thing. B builders can't build as many houses as quickly as they were before, despite the amount of people that are coming in here. Then you look at interest rates. So, you know, when I bought my house here two and a half years ago, the interest rates were around 3%, which at that point, you're basically getting free money. It's a beautiful thing. I, you know, I always say it's like, I like, and I genuinely mean this, I like paying my mortgage because to me, I got in at a good interest rate. I'm paying myself to live in my house. And then, yeah, the bank gets a little something extra. But when the mortgage rates are 9%, even in a place like Florida, where everyone's moving to, it causes people to have reasons not to move or not to be able to buy a house. So we're seeing this all over the country right now. And, and the truth is, instead of these giant government programs and the printing of all the money, if they really wanted to fix anything, there is one thing they could do, but they never do it which is lower taxes on everybody, period. I don't care if you're making a billion dollars or 50 grand or anywhere in between. You, wanna, you want people to be able to do as much as they can with their own resources and with the value that they create. If you told me right now we are gonna cut all government services by 25% and we are gonna cut taxes by 25%, you could tell me way more than that, but I would be for it and that would be the cleanest, clearest way of making things move again. But that seems to be the one thing they were never willing to do. Isn't that strange? Yeah, we went to war over a tax on tea, you know, and now all of a sudden <laughs> we're getting taxed on every single thing. And everyone's just like, OK, so if it's not, Dave, if it's not the school system and what's going on with the children, if it's not the economy and how it's crushing the families, it's the open border that we're seeing all of these people getting flooded into specifically Democrat cities where they're taking up the resources. The kids are all going into school despite the family ain't paying taxes and they're, and they're taking up all that stuff as well. Getting hotel rooms, taking away from the people in the community. And you see the Democrats in these cities, Chicago, New York, are in an uproar over it. So I cannot imagine why in the world, if, you, if, if it's the school isn't enough, the economy isn't enough. Isn't this immigration, the illegal immigrants that are storming into these democracies, is that going to be enough to wake enough people up to say, I'm not going to continue to vote for the same thing over and over again? Well, it seems to be waking some of them up. So, you know, we just played a clip that you probably saw of Kathy Hochul in New York, governor of New York, who I think is one of the worst of the worst. And, you know, she she came in after Cuomo got they got rid of Cuomo in New York, who was really terrible on covid. But she's proven to be worse on almost everything. I, I think you could even make an argument she's been worse on COVID because we had more information by the time she came in and still was for mandates and lockdowns and, and all of the other nonsense. Uh, but even she now is saying, boy, the border is open. This is a real problem. Yet Eric Adams in New York City, the mayor, who was for New York being a sanctuary city, and then about two weeks ago, he's given a press conference going, listen, there's nothing I can do. You guys, you, just good luck to everybody. Um, so these people have destroyed what once was the greatest city in the world. They have destroyed Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle, you know all the usual spots. The question, though, can this lead to an awakening? I hope so. And I think I think it is happening to some degree because people, you know, for as as blue pilled uh, as a lot of people are, meaning they just swallow what the machine gives them and they they watch CNN and think they're getting something true. Enough people are online now where they're like, you see Elon Musk now even going down to the border and just showing you a wide open border. We play clips every day. Border agents literally opening up the door. Oh, literally, it's a fence with a door. They open up the door. Okay, 20 people go through. We close the door. We wait five minutes. Now another 20. We tell them where to go. There, there's so much stuff out there now for people to see that the Democrats are really running out of sort of BS markers to, to confuse people because the truth is, and everyone knows this, it's a Democrat administration. That means they're the ones in charge of the border and all of the sanctuary cities are Democrat cities. So although the media is really good at blaming the Republicans for everything, and yes, the Republicans oftenly, often suck, there's really very little blame to be put on the Republicans at the moment. Uh, so hopefully it will wake up some people. We'll see. And specifically those Democrat cities, uh, Dave, like some like Philadelphia, they've they've been Democrats for 70 years. There's seven decades without having a Republican mayor there. Same thing goes with Chicago, five decades. So these, it's not like this has been just a couple of past years. And it's like I always point to like Rudy Giuliani. We had a blueprint on how you could come in and absolutely change this all around, yet they'll refuse to use any of those policies. But one way or the other, we have got to get this administration out of office. That brings us up to this Trump DeSantis right now. And I know that you're on Team DeSantis. Uh, I'm on Team Trump. And I, I would just say that, in, and I've said it on this show, 
I feel that our strongest ticket going into 2024 would have been a Trump DeSantis ticket. I think that one would have overwhelmingly beaten the Biden administration in 2024. Now that's off the table. I don't like all the infighting between Trump and DeSantis. I think that if DeSantis had thrown his full endorsement behind Trump, I think that Trump in return in 2028 puts his full endorsement behind DeSantis. And then it's hit that all roads to the White House go through DeSantis in 2028. What is your take on it? Sure. Well, first off, I would say, look, I don't like the infighting either. And I think what I try to do as as respectfully and clearly on my show as possible is just call it as I see it. Now, look, as you know, I voted for Trump last time. I've interviewed Trump. I, I like the family. I think his behavior towards DeSantis, if he's supposedly what we're being told right now by Trump is that he's up by 50, 60 points. And yet he spends half his day when he's not dealing with unjust prosecutions, which I'm completely on his side on. Uh, he spends half his day going after the number two guy, the guy that he says is nowhere near him. I mean, if you were to look at the history of politics, not just in the United States, the history of world politics, go to the Roman Empire, show me a guy who is up 50 points confidently who was going after the number two guy the way he's going after him. And you know, and I, and I mean this, I don't mean this about you specifically, but the Trump people know he's lying about COVID and Florida and he's lying about DeSantis. And, you know, months ago it was DeSantis is a Soros shill and it's like DeSantis is the only guy to fire Soros prosecutors, blah, blah, blah. I could go into all of that stuff. But what I would say is this, it, the problem with what you laid out there, I think, is that if Trump believes that the election was stolen, and I believe that Trump believes it, that's what he still says, and, and maybe he's right, if that is what he believes, then it doesn't matter if there was a unity ticket or anything else. If they stole it from you once, why wouldn't they steal it again from you the second time? So what I would prefer to see Trump doing, instead of going after DeSantis all day, if he stops going after DeSantis all day and just, the thing is, it's very personal to me as someone that moved to Florida at the height of COVID. It feels like you're going after my home, you know? It feels it feels like you're going after my family when he says those things that we know not to be true and then gets so many other people to parrot those things. A better move for me would have been let Trump get out there and say, hey, the system's rigged, all of the stuff he always says, and here's how I'm going to fix it. Here's how I'm going to deal with voter fraud and everything else. Then you're making a case for yourself. I, I just don't think making a case against the number two guy who you say you're up 50 points on makes any sense. Um, I also think at some point, look, at some point, one way or another, there will be a time post-Trump, just like there'll be a time post-Biden and there was a time post-George Washington. And I think anyone who roughly believes in freedom the way we do, yeah, we're all on the same side and primaries just make enemies of everybody, but you know, that'll all come back together. Um, I will vote for the Republican, whoever it is. Um, but I, I will say one other thing on this, which is Trump, I get why tactically he's not going to these debates, but for the health of a democracy, we should have these ideas battled out in front of people. Uh, it's very important that we do that because if Trump never shows up to one of these debates and becomes the nominee, uh, then Biden just will not show up to a debate because Biden will say, you know what, Trump's in it with the white supremacists and the Nazis, and I'm not even going to debate him. And then guess what? Next election, when they're both gone, we'll never have a debate again. And that's where it will lead to America. So I'm trying to fight for the things that I think would lead us to a more competent, uh, sort of open country, the way that we used to be. And I think it's just gotten messy within that. But all that being said, I fully get why a lot of good people still still want Trump to be the president. And if he is my president and DeSantis is my governor, that'll be a hell of a lot better than, than, than what we're looking at right now. Yeah, and I know that the networks would love to see Trump get involved in the debates for sure, because that would skyrocket the, uh, the ratings, no doubt. But listen, I, I did an interview with Governor DeSantis on First Class fatherhood. I love what he's done in Florida. I love that he's a family man. He's done the fatherhood initiative. I don't have any knocks on DeSantis. I think the reason why you're seeing Trump going after DeSantis is because Trump takes it personal. I think he thinks that DeSantis stabbed him in the back after he gave him the endorsement. And that's why I think he's laying into him. But and again, I love what uh, DeSantis has done in Florida. I love the battle with Disney. But right now we're not talking about battling Disney. We're, we're, talking, about, we're talking about battling Iran. You know, we're talking about battling China. Like this is something in the arena that Trump has been in before. We've never seen a movement in this country country like we've seen for Donald Trump. I don't believe in any of the polls either. I know you ran one on X. Nobody has any faith in any polls. But just with your eyes and what you can see, we've never seen this type of response. Trump has been able to get people to vote for the first time in their lives. They've come out to support Trump. He motivates people. He has a call of action that brings people to the polls. And I think that's important. And I think that's what he has 
I don't realistically, again, I love DeSantis. I don't think realistically, I think this is more like Tom Brady's best team with the Patriots playing your local high school team when it comes to this actual primary against Trump versus DeSantis. I don't think there's a, a chance that it works. And I think what DeSantis is doing is giving fuel so that we've seen Biden quoting DeSantis now, putting up tweets that are using some of the stuff he's using against Trump. And I don't think that's what we need right now. No, I but, love but, the fact that yeah. Vivek, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, the the thing that you're referencing that tr- that by first off, it's not Biden tweeting, obviously, it's some intern or whatever. Obviously, I know that, it. right? Yeah. But but Disclaimer. you know, DeSantis DeSantis criticizing Trump and then Biden using that. Well, that's just politics, right? So like, you could do any version of that any other way. But w- what would you say to what I said about the election? I mean, if Trump Trump's main drive right now is the system is so corrupt it stole the election from me. So if he believes that, have you seen him do anything that would fix it? I mean, why wouldn't they just steal it again if that if that is true? Well, I would have to think that right now it would be harder because there's more eyes that are going to be watching now that we've seen this happen in, in the past. And if it is true that they're going to have to try to do some fraud, we need to overwhelm them at, at the ballot box. We've got to overwhelm them. And Trump's going to be pe- motivate people to do that. Now, we've never seen anything like Trump before. The second time he ran, he got 11 million more people to come out and vote for him. The best president, Obama, you voted for Obama twice. Obama, his second time, he lost 4 million votes. He couldn't even get that many people to the polls. Trump brings them out. And I think that's what you're going to have to storm the ballot boxes in 2024 if we want to overcome whatever fraud they plan on throwing at us. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I understand that sort of like sort of, I guess, at a tactical level like you could the idea that maybe you can overwhelm it to the point that they can't steal it i would say as i say on my show every day you got to give the devil his due these people and i I don't even mean with election stealing specifically but the people who lie to us about everything they always figure out a way to lie to us and so there's there's an issue there i would say the one other thing on all of this is that you know desantis to me can bring in new voters to be republicans the amount of people that i meet here in florida who are lifelong democrats who are now in Florida, who are the most Republican, because they their lives have been changed for the better by the guy who defended freedom is incredible. I think for Trump, again, if you were to believe 81 million and 75 million votes last time, meaning Biden got 81 and, and 75, the question is who, where does Trump find the new voter? Who's the new voter that's just coming around to Trump? I think there's a certain amount of people that are exhausted by Trump. DeSantis, it's, it's very obvious. You know, He just did an interview with Bill Maher, I don't know if you saw it, but Bill, in essence, Bill agrees with like 90% of it. You know, they're obviously not going to agree on abortion, let's say, but Bill is an old school liberal, more of like an RFK type. And he basically was agreeing with DeSantis on free speech, on woke, on getting an ESG out of the schools, on on keeping the uh, ESG out of our institutions, keeping the schools safe, et cetera, et cetera, and our streets safe. So that to me shows, oh, I see where you could actually bring in new voters. I just don't see it on on the other side. But maybe you're right. You know, it is possible. I'll grant you it is possible that if we do another year of these sham indictments and everything else, that maybe just a whole bunch more people will suddenly be like, you know what? The system is so obviously fixed, you know, basically F it. I'm, I'm going for Trump. Maybe that's possible. And again, Dave, I, I, I love Ron DeSantis. I think I still hope that he would be around in 2028 to run again, because I think he's the strongest guy outside of Trump to take the helm once Trump is out of the picture. And uh, I, I just know one thing is we got to get the Biden administration out of there. So yeah. uh, that's, well, let me, that's let me just throw concern. in one other thing. I think what the case that you just made for Trump, while also telling me that DeSantis is a, is a great governor and all those things. If, if that was the case Trump was making, I would basically have nothing to criticize him on. That's the funny part. You know, I don't get every morning when I wake up and I see Trump on some crazy truth social post about, <laughs> excuse me, about the sanctimonious and Florida and all this stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. I would prefer not to do it. The case for Trump is the case that you just made. He could sit there. He knows that the base is strong. He doesn't have to lie to them. He's insulting the base when he lies about Florida and COVID. He, if he's really up by the amount that he purports to be or that the polls are, purport, then he should just make his case. I'm the guy who's done it. I can do it again. I'm self-funded. DeSantis isn't ready for prime time. He was a great governor. I live in his state. My family lives in his state. It's not against him, but this is for me. You, To me, you just made a better case than the case that he's making. And, and I think that that's what I've been responding to a lot. And I will, Dave, also, I will admit that uh, Trump's biggest knock by far is COVID-19 and his response to now. And obviously, he didn't push any mandates. 
Uh, but he he still today thinks that this this vaccine was a was a positive thing for him. And I, and I really wish he would, you know, somebody would be able to back him off of that just because I think so many lives were destroyed because of that vaccine. I think the cure was far worse than the disease. So I do have that. Bone I agree. With Donald I Trump. Agree. And, yeah. and again, uh, and, I, and respectfully, I, I love everybody on both sides because I think we need to get together at some point. And I can't wait till we're past this so we could just start going after Biden and stop going after one another. But I know we're going to run against the time and I wanted to get yep. your take on the infight, talking about the infighting that's going on. We're seeing that in the House right now with with uh, Republicans, Matt Gates and with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. So what is your take on this? Uh, who's right in here? Is Gates right? McCarthy <laughs> should be out. Is McCarthy right? Gates should be out. What do you what, well, first what off, do you, how do you break th- th- this? This is where we were going to get with these guys. It was obvious from the beginning. I mean, it took 15 right. votes to get McCarthy in in the first place. Th- there was no doubt that at some point, most likely related to a government shutdown, we were going to get to this moment. As far as who's right or wrong, I mean, there's something very interesting happening right now, because remember, Trump backed McCarthy, Gates backs Trump. The base now is sort of backing McCarthy in an odd way because that's what Trump wants, but Gates is a is a, is a a base guy too. So there's a, a really weird energy to all of this because I've seen a lot of people who are Trump people going after Gates because Trump is defending McCarthy. You would have never expected any of this and maybe that's the magic of Trump. He can keep everybody just juggling constantly, you know, so nobody knows what's what. In terms of who's right, look, I I agree with the spirit of what Gates is doing. The spending is completely out of control and we are never gonna put a stop to it. And 45 days right now, which is what they've temporarily done, it gets us nothing. We know they're gonna sign some craptastic package and it'll be more spending and everything else. I agree with the spirit of what Gates is doing. McCarthy, you know, I've interviewed him, including at the Capitol, right when he took over uh, as the majority leader. I think he's a good guy in a, in a very bad system. He tries to get wins where they are. And, and I think certain amount of people just don't like that. Like they want the wrecking ball, right? So Gates is more of a Trump style wrecking ball. McCarthy is kind of like, let me see what little wins I can get to slow down the Democrat monster. I don't know which one of those is right, honestly. I think it's just a different way of looking at the world and they have to figure that out. But but he's not gonna lose his speakership over this. I mean, Gates isn't gonna get that out of this, even though it sounds like he's gonna try. And I think, Dave, the, the American people are sick of the Ukraine funding. We're seeing more yeah. and more money oh, going yeah. towards Ukraine. I th- And I'll tell you what, if the Democrats would say, hey, you know what? We're going to shut down the border completely and we're going to fund Ukraine. They have a far better support system for something like that, but they're not even willing to do that. So uh, that, that, I think, is what's leading to all this stuff. And I, I know we're going to run up against the clock. And I did want to get your take. Uh, what would be your pick if you could choose for both of these guys? If Trump wins the nomination, who would you say should be his running mate? And if DeSantis gets the nomination, who would you like to see DeSantis pick as the running mate? So I think well, I'll give you, well, it might be the same person for both of them, actually. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see somebody like Tulsi Gabbard. I'd like to see somebody, Tulsi, an ex-Democrat who's really come around on a lot of, I don't even want to call them conservative principles, but America, America first principles. You know, she really wants us out of these crazy wars. She's a little more left on, let's say, abortion, certainly than DeSantis, but even even Trump to some extent. Uh, You know, I know that a lot of people on the right struggle with some of her statements on guns, but I think she's shifting on that. In the midterm, she campaigned all for Republicans, not for any Democrat. Now, it didn't work out that well, but I think she's a young, important voice who, you know, who it just shows the radicalism of the Democrats that they didn't, that they kicked her out of the party in essence. You know, she left the party, but in in actuality, they kicked her out by being so radical. So I think she would be great with either one of those. Uh, I think one of the things that Trump is really gonna struggle with is that, you know, I know you said the thing about that he wanted DeSantis to be loyal and you would have liked to seen that, but you know, Trump has turned on basically anyone who has ever worked with him. You you know the list. I mean, he just sent a birdcage to Nikki Haley, you know, Mark, you know, Miley, and the list goes on and on, right? John Bolton's an idiot. This one's a moron. That one's weak. So Trump is going to have trouble staffing it. He already had, we know he had trouble staffing an administration last time. He's going to have trouble staffing it this time, and he's going to have trouble on the VP front. Look, you may not like Mike Pence. I know the base doesn't like him. I don't know why he's running. He's stiff. He reminds me of a caricature of a, of a Republican from an episode of The Simpsons in 1994. Uh, but he's going to have trouble even getting a Mike Pence type around him because of the chaos. So I, I, Tulsi would be my answer on, on both of those. I just don't know that she would do it for at least one of them. Well, I, I like that option. I, I had, that's one I haven't gotten when I asked that question. So 
Uh, Dave, listen, this is an honor for me. I'm happy to be in this fight with everybody right now on the political side of this stuff. Uh, I look up to guys like you that have been doing it for a long time. So it's a real honor that you gave me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show today. Thank you. Hey, anytime. I'm really glad that you're expanding and keep up the good work. All right. Extremely grateful to Dave Rubin for giving me a few minutes of his time here on the Alec Lay Show. Uh, honored to have him on. A lot of respect for Dave Rubin and what he does, the Rubin Report. Uh, I'm a big fan of him and for what he's done, and I will continue to learn uh, from guys like Dave Rubin as I continue to get more and more into this political commentary side of podcasting, of broadcasting. So let me know what you thought about our conversation, specifically when we talked about DeSantis and Trump. Leave a comment down below. Let me know which side you're on of the debate. And again, I really do, in my heart, I believe that the keys to the to the White House go through Donald Trump right now. It's his race to lose. I don't even think it's close. I know the polls are showing a 50-point, whatever it may be. We don't trust those polls like I know Dave we were talking about. But I honestly don't think uh, DeSantis, there is a path for him to beat Trump head-to-head. Unless Trump is forced to drop out, right, that seems to be the only way DeSantis would have a chance. And I'll tell you what, here's what I really think. If Trump was somehow forced out of 2024... And he threw all of his endorsement behind Vivek Ramaswamy. I think Vivek Ramaswamy beats DeSantis head to head with the Trump endorsement, because that's how powerful of uh, of a movement it is behind Donald Trump. So and then again, this, and I want to say not a knock on Ron DeSantis. Right. I, I, I had a great conversation with uh, the governor when I had him on first class fatherhood. Love what he's about. I just don't think it's his time. Let me know what you think. Uh, down below. And, and speaking of uh, Donald Trump, right now is the second day of the trial going on in New York City. Uh, we've got this absolute, you know, he calls it the witch hunt. This is election interference is what we're seeing. Look at this picture of Trump sitting there in court. This is the guy that was the president of the United States, and he's the number one contender to take down Biden. He's the leading candidate in the GOP right now. He's, the, he's Biden's political enemy. And here he is on trial for some bullshit charges in New York City to do with his finances. Oh, oh, this guy's doing business. What are they seeking? $250 million in fines, and they want to bar him from doing business in New York City, him and his kids. That's what this Letitia James is after. Look at this judge. Look at the judge in this case. You think that's somebody that's seriously looking to give somebody a fair trial? This is a mockery, and Trump knows it, and everybody knows it. The Democrats know it, and they don't care. They think it's justified because they hate Trump so bad, it's get him at all costs. Get him no matter what. This is a guy I've been doing business in New York City for 50-something years, this guy. He doesn't have one indictment. Now that he's president of the United States, oh, magically, he's got 70, 90 indictments. Right, well, and it's not political persecution. No, not, not whatsoever. It's equal justice. 80% of this case has already been thrown out. Here's a clip from Trump yesterday talking about this. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in this state. You see how she does? This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. The same with other trials and indictments. It's all run by DOJ, which is corrupt in Washington. So God bless uh, President Donald Trump and his family. I, I don't know how this guy does it. I'll be honest with you. I, I, this is a guy who could live the rest of his life. Who knows how much longer you got to live at the age where Trump is. He could be living it in a lap of luxury around the greatest locations in the world, not even having the stress or worry of having all these political enemies coming at you and trying to tear you apart and your family apart. He don't need it. He don't have to do it. But he's doing it because he, I generally believe this guy loves America and understands that if we don't do something now, we're going to lose this country. I think he knows it, and I think you, the listener, know it as well. So God bless him for what he's going through, and now we're going to have to go through not just this trial, but we have the other trials, right? And we have equal justice, although Trump had documents, right? White House classified documents in his house. So did Biden. One person's been indicted. One person has not been indicted. Yet they keep telling you, like Merrick Garland tells you, there's equal justice under the law. Well, if that's the case, why hasn't Biden been indicted? It would be clear cut, but they're not doing that. And we know why. We know exactly why. It's because they are protecting themselves in Washington. Our founding fathers would have had a revolution happen in this country years ago. It would have never gotten this far. But we are, 320 million of us are allowing ourselves to be controlled by 300 something or 500 something, whatever the, the number is that's controlling the masses from Washington, D.C. And it's all corruption. Look at Weinstein, who just died. 
She's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, a, a government employee elected to Congress, elected to the Senate. She's got hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank uh, on your taxpayer salary. How does that happen? It seems like the most beneficial thing you could do for yourself and your family is to get into politics. But you can't do it legitimately because if you do it legitimately and you try to do it honestly, they'll throw you right the hell out of there. You got to play the game. You got to get involved in all the scams that are going on. Otherwise, they'll kick you the hell out. So if you stick around there long enough, you're in on it. And that's why I think people call for these term limits and the whole bit. But uh, Feinstein, it's, we're, we're lucky she didn't die live on TV. This girl's in her 90s and she's been in politics. But her family should be ashamed of themselves what, what they did. And they don't even care. They don't want to let go of that power. We're seeing it with Mitch McConnell. Same thing. What do they want? This guy to drop dead one day during a live press conference? He zones out. He tarts out. He strokes out. Whatever it is. This is getting out of hand. Now, another thing that me and Dave Rubin were just talking about, and he's right. I agree with Dave. We saw this coming with Matt Gates and Speaker McCarthy. We could see it when they were trying to elect or nominate the Speaker of the House. And for some reason, and, I, and another thing with Trump, I don't understand why Trump backed McCarthy here to be Speaker of the House. I, I, I don't get it. I would have loved to have seen somebody like uh, Byron Donalds become the Speaker of the House. I think he would have made a much better Speaker. So right now, Matt Gates uh, ha- has thrown it out there. Uh, he is looking to, uh, re- what is it called, uh, unseat, vacate the chair, looking to vacate the chair, wants Speaker McCarthy out. McCarthy, here's his tweet yesterday, bring it. So he's ready now. McCarthy is probably going to need help from the Democrats when if this thing goes to a vote. I believe they're going to do a I nay vote maybe first. I'm not sure how exactly that's going to work. But if it comes down to the actual House vote on the floor, McCarthy's going to need some help, I believe, from the Democrats to keep the chair. We'll see how it turns out. A lot of this is stemming from it. I think could be avoided if we got this Ukraine conversation out of the way. It seems like there's so many Republicans in the House that are all for this nonstop funding of Ukraine. And it's like, what what is the what is the outline? What's the guideline here? What is the plan of when this ends? What's the goal? What are we shooting for? Are we to believe that we're going to keep giving money to Ukraine until they defeat all of the Russian military forces? Is that what we're trying to do here? Is that how we're kidding ourselves? The Pentagon is already saying that we're low on funds. We don't have the money to do it anymore. So we're just going to keep putting the taxpayers on the hook to keep giving money and weapons to Ukraine? Who the hell is for this while our border is wide open and we're being invaded? What? There's no way. Now, I think, like I said to Dave in in the interview there, I I think that if the Democrats said, we want more money for Ukraine, we're going to close the border. We're giving you all the money for the border. We're going to close it. A six-month stay at the border to say, no one comes in until we straighten this shit out down at the border. Six months. No one's allowed in. Nobody. That's it. We're shutting it down. Is a direct order or whatever they got to do. Direct action, executive order, whatever it is. Shut the border down completely until we figure out how to do something better. And then we'll say, okay, while we have that shut down, we'll give a few bucks to Ukraine. But not until it's shut down. This Ukraine thing is getting out of control. And who's benefiting from it? Who's benefiting from Ukraine? The, the money that's going into Ukraine. The war machine? Who, who, who is actually seeing any money? We, it seems like a big money laundering operation that's going on between the United States and Ukraine. That's just what it seems like. That's how I would call it. It doesn't seem like the legitimate path is we're going to have Ukraine defeat Russia. That's not happening. Unless we get involved, Ukraine gets involved, in, uh, or UK gets involved, and now it's World War III. So if that's the only path that we see here. It's either we go to World War III, or we stop this nonsense, come to some kind of agreement, go to the table, negotiate, and, and have a peace deal. That's it. That's the only option. It's either nuclear war or a peace deal. Which one do you want to do? Stop with just prolonging it, because at the end, it's coming to one of those two things. Nuclear war, peace deal. Let's do one of those right now. Take a pick on which one you want. But this constant funding of money, it's, it's bullshit. The taxpayers had enough of it. So if you want the war to end, if you want it to stop, get it, then say, we were going to get involved. We're going to go to nuclear war with Russia. Or we're going to just stop and we're going to look for a peace deal. Those are the only two options. Do one of them right now. Stop with all this prolonging. And that's what I have to say about that. One more story I want to hit you guys with, and it is a sad one. This, it, 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 it's sad because this is continuing to happen in Democrat cities. And what, when you say that, 
everyone's like, oh, you're being an alarmist. Uh, the, you know, when you say Democrat cities are, sh- are shitholes and Democrat cities are riddled with crime and they're being destroyed by the Democrats, you're mocked and laughed at and told like, oh, you're just believing Fox News. You're brainwashed and all that. Here's a case of that. Here's this um, left-wing journalist, this guy, Josh uh, Krager, Josh Kruger, sorry. Here's a guy who was all about that. So here's a tweet that he put up on the board. And I'll put it up here so you can see. This is from uh, earlier this year in February. Today I learned there is apparently a crippling crime wave destroying all cities, according to Stephen Miller, which includes presumably Philadelphia. My house is not on fire and chaos is not raining in, in the street. I saw a man get a parking ticket yesterday. My trash got picked up. So this guy's mocking the fact that you're saying there's crime riddled all throughout Philadelphia. Well, unfortunately now, yesterday we learn, here's the, here's the post on the board, Philadelphia journalist Josh Kruger found shot and killed after a home invasion. So I put the tweet up on the board there, how it started, how, it go, how it's going. Uh, Josh Kruger, the liberal journalist who mocked violent crime, destroying Democrat cities, was murdered in his Philadelphia home. Now, there's no celebration that this guy got murdered. Some people hit me on Twitter like, oh, that's insensitive, this and that. Well, wasn't his tweet insensitive to all the people that are being victimized by the massive crime wave that's going through Philadelphia and all these other Democrat cities? No, none of the people commenting to me that are saying I'm being insensitive. I looked at the timeline. I didn't see them calling out Josh when he was mocking the crime that was going on in Philly. Philly's had a thousand people murdered in two years, a thousand people murdered in two years in Philadelphia. The crime is out of control all over that city. And they mock it and say, you're crazy. Here's a guy now. He, he, he found out for himself personally. Now, God bless him and his family. It's tragic to see another loss of life happen at the hands of one of these Democrat city uh, shitholes. There's no other way to put it, folks. That's the only way I can describe it. It's turned into a zombie apocalypse in so many parts of Philadelphia. People are ODing, dropping dead, sleeping on the street, and they're shooting and killing each other. And it's because of Democrat policies. They say, well, how could it be Democrat policies? Because there hasn't been a Republican person in power in Philadelphia for 70 years. So that's how. It's only been Democrat policies. That's it. Philadelphia has, hasn't known a Republican policy in seven decades. They say, oh, how do you know it's, a, it's their policies? Well, whose policies is it? And again, we're going to blame the Republicans. We're, oh, it's the Republicans' fault. Just like the, this guy. When you, when you talk about the, the, the riots that took place during 2020, it's like it's a mystery. It's like a myth. Oh, you're being, uh, you're being a little bit crazy here. There was, it was a peaceful protest is what was going on. There were people murdered all over the country. Cities were burning all over the place. And it was like, oh, that's a little bit far-fetched. Here's a guy that agreed with that. So these Democrat cities, as long as they continue to vote Democrat, they're going to continue to go downhill. There's no other way it could be. You have the evidence. It's not like you have nothing to look at. You have the evidence of how this is going to play out. Let's take a look at the last five years to see how the, the next five years is going to play out if we don't change anything. It's a simple thing. It's the same thing with your own life. If you don't like the way your last five years of your life went and you don't do anything to change it, the the next five years are going to go the exact same way. Nothing will change unless you change. Then the next five years will be different. And that's what's going to have to happen in these Democrat cities. You cannot continue to do the same thing and think something different is going to happen. We call that insanity. All right, so those are the ones I wanted to hit you guys with today here. Again, honored that Dave Rubin stopped by the podcast. If you missed our interview, roll it back and take a look, take a listen. Let me know what you thought about it. Trump DeSantis, where do you? Where's your loyalty lying? Who are you riding with in 2024 here? Let me know in the comments down below. Thursday on the podcast, comedian J.P. Sears joins me on the podcast, and I got some great guests lined up in the can already to join me next week on The Alec Lay Show. You're not going to want to miss next week. I'm telling you right now, follow me on X at Alec Lace to find out. That's where I'm going to make the announcements first. Uh, you guys are going to be very impressed. And I owe it all to you, the listener out there, for continuing to tune in, continuing to support the podcast here. I can't say thank you enough. Please keep it coming and share this podcast with everybody in your contact list. And let's go. All right. So I will be 
on uh, Fox Business tomorrow, Wednesday, at about 6.45. I'll be on the bottom line with Dagan and Duffy. So if you want, tune into that as well. About 6.45, I should be on on Fox Business Channel, the bottom line. So check that out. And I will play a clip from it on Thursday's program. So, you, you know, I'll give you the recap. All right, so that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in. God bless all you parents out there. God bless you listeners. God bless our first responders in military. God bless America. Catch you on Thursday.